And we are back here as we dive into the blueprint for the MCU, an animated movie from 2006, adapting the uh, industry-changing, industry-revolutionizing comic book series, The Ultimates, an edgy reboot, up-to-date edgy reboot of The Avengers. It was like nothing anyone had ever seen before in the comic book world. We, in the first part, took you through behind the scenes on how Marvel... Signed up with uh, Lionsgate Entertainment to, instead of doing live-action movies, they produced this series of direct-to-DVD animated movies that gave fans what they were missing in a world before the MCU. Gave fans what they were missing, some really great adaptations. We talked about Planet Hulk and things like that. We then went behind the page and we laid the table by looking at how the ultimate universe came about, the, the imprint from Marvel, how it changed comic books forever. Just how successful it was. And as we're going to go on to see, just how much of this is used in the MCU, these versions of these characters and these stories. Um, Listen to some incredible people that uh, took the time to write in and to heap praise upon us, Will, to heap praise upon us. We need to heap our own praise upon people. Mm. And we'll do that with Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Basta Beer, Sam, Bindi, Sue P, Jack Davis. Billy Brown, Zubair Q, and David Fan, our top, top supporters on Patreon, the world-class wrecking crew. They keep the gears ticking and turning and moving. Um, they lubricate the whole process. We thank them for everything they do. They're doing the right thing. Are you doing the right thing? Mm. Well, you can do the right thing. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Support this show for as little as £3, the cost of a cup of coffee. Listen. You ever had any entertainment from this show? Surely it's got to be worth just a, the, 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 a cup of coffee a month. And in exchange, there's tons and tons of bonus content. If you support us in, in any way, there's lots of bonus content you can get over there. Lots of different tiers you can get involved in. We've got 78 bonus episodes available right now on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. There are 39 deep dive bonus episodes um, there's early access available to every show we do three days before the rest of the world. Then there's 35 mini shows you can get into as well. We do obscure Marvel each and every month. Well, how did you enjoy the Black Llama in the month of September? <laughs> An obscure and ridiculous character that we look at uh, in the month of September. Oh, God, what a character. Yeah, I did enjoy the Black Llama, but... There's a big twist that happens, and man, I still, I'm still not over it to this point. It's a very bizarre episode. Everyone that supports us on Patreon gets access to Obscure Marvel. It's our fun, funny show where we look at the most ridiculous Marvel characters of all time and most ridiculous stories. Uh, Black Llama is your September edition. So head on over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel and support us on there. Do the right thing. And Will, whilst they're doing the right thing... You know what you need to do. I need to do an even better right thing. <laughs> I don't know how that makes <laughs> even sense. better right thing. Oh my an god! An even writer thing. Don't just do the right thing. Do the writer thing. I've, the rightest I've thing. Completely destroyed all grammar forever. I <laughs> need to start this off and press play. In the North Atlantic at the end of World War II, a large squadron of US planes carrying platoons of paratroopers flies towards a deadly objective. The mission is to take out a German superweapon. 
As the soldiers start to descend from the planes, German soldiers open fire and a bloody battle begins. German howitzers and bunkers prove too big of a match for the US troops. Elsewhere on the battlefield, Bucky Barnes, a young soldier, carries his injured superior to safety. With the grizzled expression, the superior asks Bucky where his super soldier is. Looking up, Bucky sees a lone plane fly into the Nazi fortress, with Captain America diving out just before impact. Standing tall, he rallies the troops around him to storm the structure. So massive, uh, big, big, bigly saving Private Ryan vibes here. But happier ones. There's, there's, you know, there, 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 there's more hope. I don't know. People die. People <laughs> died, but like Saving Private Ryan is like that first beach scene. Like, oh god, yeah. this is such senseless violence. But at the end of this, it's like, hey, we're gonna do it. We're gonna storm the Nazi <laughs> castle and take them all out. And in Saving Private Ryan, it's like, oh god, war's awful. We should never do this. <laughs> but very darker than what we got with the first Captain America film. I will say that darker. So this is how. We're first introduced to... Is this how we first introduced Captain America in the Ultimate Comics? Is it this kind of storyline where he's like the last little mission in World War II uh, and, he, and he's getting the troops together to storm? Is, is this what happens? Yeah, it, it's, it's really it's really similar. Um, it's really similar. The, the, the noticeable difference is the presentation of Cap and, uh-huh. and the language and humour that, that the, the Scottish writer Mark Miller uses in these comics back in uh, 2001, 2002. Yeah. Um, so a, a Scottish writer approaching an American icon and writing about heroic American soldiers and stuff like you'd see in a movie, it's kind of impossible for a Brit to do that without irony. And we, we, we heard in yeah. our first part about how Mark Miller, most people in this country of England are just... Generally, Europe is more left-wing than America. And generally speaking, we're... We're all a lot more suspicious of uniforms, <laughs> and, and that bleeds through. So, Mark Miller kind of gleefully turns up the dial on the macho language of and, and the sort of locker room jokes that you'd expect oh, no. in a platoon in the nineteen forties, um, and kind of remember the world in which this comic is coming out in the wave of ultra patriotism in 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 American media oh, post nine yeah. eleven. Oh yeah, um, it's still thick in the air. And that is something that any Brit writing this kind of character is is virtually any Brit is going to try to kind of subvert and present ironically because that level of patriotism is just so alien um, to, to to the majority of us. And so Millard's mission here is to present a very badass Captain America as well as that kind of um, any subversion he's trying to do. Something which a badass Captain America kind of really hadn't been done before. Mm. I mean... Don't get me wrong, Cap has always been a prominent superhero, the leader of the Avengers, etc., etc. But Cap hadn't been cool for decades. And in a post-90s comic book landscape, Captain America felt like he was your dad or your uncle, <laughs> rather than like a cool badass anti-hero like Wolverine or yeah, a relatable yeah. person like... A relatable screw-up like Spider-Man. You know, Cap's neither of those two things. So Miller's kind of doing two things with his presentation of Captain America. He's going to make him a badass, and he's also going to use irony whilst doing that because he just has to. So all the soldiers in their plane are doubting Captain America. Like, he's just a Boy Scout wearing an over-the-top costume and a lot of stuff that you see repeated in the the first Avenger movie. Um, And that dialogue reflects the opinions of a lot of fans that were turned off by Cap. 
Goody Two Shoes, Boy yeah. Scout, blah, blah, blah. So Miller uses the opening sequence to kind of dismantle all of that and present this badass fighter from the 40s. <laughs> so as one soldier says, what the hell is that guy going to do? He's not even wearing a parachute. Bucky, his best friend, is like, oh, yeah, they keep trying to make him wear a parachute. But Cap says, parachutes are for girls. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he flies his plane into the wall of the castle like he does in the, in this animated movie, and breaches the fences and leaps down and, like, kicks the hell out of all the Nazis. And instead of getting any kind of, like, cheesy, patriotic rah-rah speech, Cap stands up as bullets whiz past his head. <laughs> this full-page <laughs> shot of him. What are you ladies waiting for? Christmas! And that's how they go over the top. This this, this, this kind of, you know, he uses toxic masculinity to kind of bully them into 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 going it's it works on both levels captain america is presented as completely badass yeah but at the same time that the the and it's not like any of that language is out of place in the 1940s no not at all not at all but he's really turning the dial up on that ultra macho thing to um to lampoon it yeah. if you if you get the joke and some people as we found out didn't get the joke. When, I'm going to sign up for the army. I'm going to sign up for the army. This is good. I, oh, God. What are you ladies waiting? That's, that sounds so Patton-esque, isn't it? That's like that kind of bro, bravado and whatnot. You know? Does that gel with Chris Evans' cap? Mm, I don't know. Chris Evans' cap is nicer. Yeah, he would, he's, he would, he's he, a much softer... He wears a cardigan, you know. He wears a car- he's it, ca- cardigan cap, as we call him. But he he would he would definitely come in there and go come on we got to do this rather than ah! yeah he 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 wouldn't he he wouldn't say parachutes are for girls and what are you ladies waiting for let's do this women so it's, are it's inferior it's a it's a very different Captain America yeah um, I, it, it's it, it's not out of place at all it's not out of place no. at all but it, you do look at it and go ooh that's a bit that's a bit much anyway following Cap. The soldiers storm the Nazi stronghold, fighting Wehrmacht troops until reaching the superweapon, a large rocket ready for launch, making his way to the control room where he encounters demonic-looking extraterrestrial beings, the Chitauri, as well as the man behind the operation, SS officer Herr Kleiser. Kleiser commands his underlings to start preparations for the launch before taking on Cap single-handedly. As they trade blows, Cap tells Kleiser that the war is over now that Hitler is dead. But Kleiser retorts that this isn't about the Third Reich. Cap throws his triangular shield at Kleiser and at sharp point stabs the Nazi in the stomach. Cap is then shocked to see the wounded Kleiser shapeshift into a Chitauri alien. The next second, the rocket launches and with no time to lose... Cap pulls himself together and grabs onto the super weapon as it fires out of the castle. So, you can already tell it's always got its PG-13 warning because there's a ruddy great big swastika. That would never happen in a kid's cartoon. <laughs> you, you think, would, yeah? Yeah, never. Yeah, you would I, never I, have a swastika like that. that when, when we looked at um, Avengers, the, the cartoon series Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mm. all the Nats, everywhere you would you would expect to see a SWAT sticker, you saw the Hydra symbol. Yes, yes. And Marvel have done that more and more over the years. I, I think um, I think that's a much better way of doing it because then you don't have to worry about 
oh, sales in Germany might might be non-existent if we have us or we have to edit it for certain markets. It, 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 did I ever tell you about? You think there are you think there are places in Germany that are pro? No, no, I mean like because they are. No, no, they no. don't like I, any presentation. Do they, 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 they it, it, it's yeah. completely. It was com- I think until re- very recently, it was completely yeah. banned in video games. And like, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but the funniest, funniest editing of this was the one of the last uh, Wolfenstein games where they changed the swastika into something that still looked kind of fascist. You know, mm. it still had the red and the white circle. And then they shaved off Hitler's mustache because you get to meet aging Hitler in the game. They shaved off his mustache and called him. The uh, the Chancellor, which actually wow. even with his mustache off, you can see it's Hitler. It's and Hitler. calling him the Chancellor instead of the Führer is probably worse because it makes it sound like he can get voted back in really easily. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it is there. That's how it is there. Outside the castle, Bucky spots Cap trying to break in, trying to break in the missile while being flanked by several alien craft. As a rocket breaks through the clouds, Cap is pounced on by Kleiser. However, he's no match for Cap as the super soldier tosses the SS officer off the rocket before using a grenade to destroy the weapon in midair. As Cap falls, a blinding flash from the rocket destroys the alien ships. All hope is lost as Cap's unconscious body falls into the ocean with the thoughts of his beloved Gale ringing through his head as he sinks to the freezing darkness below. So, absolutely solid start absolutely solid start to this not as zippy with the dialogue as the films but it's still fast paced and exciting very good very good yeah you do you do miss that that kind of um hollywood screenwriter mcu dialogue (laughs) yeah but it's still enough here to love so we've we've talked about the origins of captain america uh, so much but is we haven't really touched on about the him going into the ice. Is this exactly how not in the ultimate comics? Not in the ultimate no. comics. No, is this how he gets uh, into the ice in the ultimate comics? This is almost this is almost frame for frame, shot for shot, taken from 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 the ultimates. Yeah, I had a feeling it would be. Why 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 wouldn't you do that? Uh, the, yeah. the 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 him thinking about Gale is actually we see in the comics. It's a letter that he's written to her. Um, and in comic books, when they want to to note the letter, so in comic books you'll have uh, dialogue presented in text boxes, and it yes. would just be plain black on on um, kind of like Arial or whatever mm. typeface on a on a white box. Yeah. When they want to when they want it to be a letter, the instead of it being a, a, a black, it's it's like torn. It's almost torn pages of a letter. Yes, yes. yes. And it has cursive as mm. the type font instead of like instead of Ariel, um, and it's him, he's written a letter to her, should he die, and we get to hear, and it's virtually exactly the same. The difference is, there are no aliens involved. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> with the so, with her. most everything we see is the same, but there's no aliens. As soon as Bucky sees the bomb, sorry, we don't see any aliens. Mm. As soon as Bucky sees the bomb and the equipment, He's horrified by how advanced the Nazis are. Yeah. And he says to Cap, where do they get all of this Buck Rogers stuff? <laughs> a reference to a very popular sci-fi kind of character of the 40s. Yeah. Um, Bucky says, even if Oppenheimer has a success in the coming months, the Nazis are so far ahead of the Allies. And Cap hints at something here. He says, um, he, he hints that he knows more about this operation, and he tells Bucky... There's more sides fighting this war than you know, Ooh, but hello. we don't get any more. We don't get any more. But but, but it's it's yeah. no aliens, but it's largely the same. 
but they're they're looking at the camera and winking almost like oh hello hello there's might be no they're 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 laying seeds so Mm. i would say this movie is an example of compressed storytelling they're going to tell all this action in an hour yeah rather than laying the seeds and spreading it out yeah the comic book decompressed storytelling where they're just kind of laying seeds and letting things breathe and they can kind of play with it absolutely 70 years later, a S.H.I.E.L.D. submarine captained by General Nick Fury is investigating a glacial mass, eventually finding an anomaly. Sending out a drone to inspect the anomaly, Fury is surprised to find the preserved frozen body of Captain America. Back at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, the frozen body is taken in for examination, with Nick Fury going to inform Dr. Banner about the discovery. In his lab, Bruce Banner tells his team of scientists about their mission to recreate the super soldier serum that was lost after the creation and loss of Captain America. Explaining that the serum has a different reaction for each person, Banner reveals a list of candidates for experiment before leading the scientists into the rebirth chamber headed by Betty Ross, Banner's ex-girlfriend. As Banner brushes off his scientists' questions about the Hulk, Betty Ross bursts into the room to tell Banner, we found him. Banner! interesting here he seems more trouble than jaded he's very i mean obviously we've had uh, you know different variations of bruce banner as as as, as, as a trouble anything yeah. from troubled to her huggly mark ruffalo the very huggly lovely man cardigan here, hulk yeah he's here he's just oh, they, he's got the extra edge of someone who's absolutely fed up he's defeated he's defeated yes. he's absolutely defeated so when we meet uh Bruce Banner here. Everyone already knows about the Hulk. Is this how it is in the Ultimate Comics? Is it already established and it's just like referred to in the past of like, hey, aren't you that guy who turns green and stuff? You know. Yeah. So before mm. they had any plans to do the Ultimates, mm. um, a lot of Ultimate characters were introduced through a comic called Ultimate Marvel Team Up, oh. um, which is uh, a spin-off from the from the Ultimate Spider-Man comic. So every month. Spidey would have an adventure with or against a different Ultimate Marvel character. And that would generally serve as their introduction into the Ultimate Universe. So that the Hulk first appears in this, in, in, in that team-up thing. Mm. Big green monster um, rampaging across Manhattan. He destroys the Chelsea Piers. Um, Spidey hears reports of a big green monster and thinks it's the green goblin and then gets into a fight with the Hulk, gets his ass kicked and then he he kind of when he realizes he can't win a fight he basically tricks the childlike hulk he he kind of i don't remember wins but he yeah he tricks him by getting a fish on the end of his web line from a fish market at chelsea pier and dangles it in front of the hungry hulk's face <laughs> And the Hulk chases the fish because he's hungry. But every time he's about to get it, Spidey snatches it away from him, snatches it away from him, and leads him to a warehouse, fishmonger warehouse, full of fish. And the Hulk then just goes mad, eating loads and loads of fish oh. until he's satisfied. And then he starts to turn back into Bruce Banner. Um, and that's when we see this the, this monster turns into a crazy, raving lunatic. <laughs> And here, Bruce Banner rants and raves at Spider-Man, saying, it's all a conspiracy. All the superpowers are connected. You don't know who to trust. And then, 
before we get any answers to that, the military attack and the story kind of ends and Bloody Spider-Man's hell. like, what? I don't know what happened there. So when the ultimate starts, the Hulk has had this one experience being a rampaging beast in New York. Mm. And we find out that Bruce Banner actually works for S.H.I.E.L.D. now. But he's walk- he's got an office, he's walking around, he's not in prison or anything. It's it, probably it, safer that he's working in S.H.I.E.L.D. It would be years before the comics got around to explaining this conspiracy he's raving about in his first appearance. There was a, a series by Brian Michael Bendis called Ultimate Origins, Ooh. where Bruce Banner is shown to have been hired years and years and years ago by the US government and Nick Fury as part of a project to secretly recreate the super soldier serum. Here we go. Here we go. And he works alongside his fellow scientist Hank Pym, Franklin Storm, the father of Sue Storm and Johnny Storm, and Richard Parker, the father of Peter Parker. Uh-huh. So something goes wrong and there's a big explosion and all this kind of stuff goes on um, and it kind of ends the project. But it, it, the, what was revealed is that this revival of the Super Soldier program led to virtually all the science developments that created these super people. Like it led to the creation of the Fantastic Four mm. indirectly, the creation of Ant-Man, it led to the Hulk, and it led to Venom, because in the ultimate Marvel Universe, uh, Peter Parker's dad creates this symbiote-type synthetic thing. Um, and we also learn through uh, this, this series, Ultimate Origins, that the Super Soldier program, whilst desperate to try and recreate Steve Rogers, experiments on someone called James Howlett. Um, oh, okay. Giving James Howlett superpowers and essentially creating mutants out of thin air. And so <laughs> mutants, who are the ultimate terrorists in the ultimate Marvel Universe, they're terrible, you know, they're very... The world de- desperately hates and fears them. Uh, Wolverine is like patient zero for the mutants to be unleashed on the world. And it was all down to, let's get another... Captain America. Bloody hell. I see how it ties together now. That's great. On an operating table, the body of Captain America has just finished thawing. Carefully, the scientists examine him, recovering a photo of Cap's old sweetheart Gale. <laughs> because this is Avengers, we perhaps need to say, he's just finished like T-H-A-W-N-I-N-G oh, thawing from... Come on, when have not we ever... thawing from like... What's thawing mean? He's just finished like He's unfrozen. Thrown a hammer around. <laughs> they they didn't have a big microwave. They didn't have a microwave big enough, so they couldn't thaw him. What's Thor up to? He's just he's just thawing around, thawing about. <laughs> that's that's how you describe it in Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. What's he doing? Ah, he's thawing about. Thawing about. As Bruce and Betty rush to the operating room, Cap suddenly awakens and attacks the doctors, prompting a team of guards to rush in. However, the next second, the guards are taken out one by one by the enraged and confused super soldier using a cloaking device nick fury sneaks up on cap holding a gun against his head at point blank in order to get cap to stand down but cap is too quick for fury as the super soldier throws the general to the floor and escapes as cap sprints through the hallways of the facility fury orders everyone to stand down and let cap get outside rushing out of the facility cap is shocked 
and overwhelmed to see a looming high-tech shield HQ looking across the water at an unrecognisable modern-day Manhattan skyline. Staring in terror and awe at a descending shield craft, Nick Fury calmly approaches and tells Cap, a lot has changed, son. Cap asks, did we win? With Fury replying, we did, before Captain Fates. I prefer this introduction of Cap to the modern day uh, post credit sequence that we got, although I do like that one. This one, it's just, I mean, it's almost the same. Yeah. But it, I, I don't know, I, I think I might prefer this one. It's just a bit more punchy. Yeah. They, they, this is taken almost directly from the from the Ultimates comic. Um, and it never happened in the original 1960s stories. Um, in the 1960s, the Avengers are in a submarine. They find Captain America, and he just kind of wakes up in their ship, and, he, and he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> um, in, in the Ultimates, he wakes up and thinks it's a Nazi trick. Oh. Uh, and when he sees Nick Fury, he's like, "Nice try, Adolf, but I know the highest-ranking black officer in the U.S. military, and you're not him." Um, and then he smashes the hell out of everybody and leaps out of a window, and yeah. Um, no one can stop him, is the problem. He's not faint, and no one can stop him. Eventually, Hank Pym has to turn into Giant Man and slam him into the ground. And as he does, Bruce Banner's like, don't damage him! He's <laughs> our only hope! <laughs> Fantastic. In Earth's orbit, two S.H.I.E.L.D. astronauts activate the organization's latest spy satellite, Bringing the orbital device online, a vibranium-based ship, most likely to Tauri, is spotted in Nevada but the trajectory shows it to be flying towards the satellite. Fury orders the astronauts to retreat, but it's too late. The Chitauri craft rams the satellite, sending it and the astronauts into an uncontrolled descent. As the shuttle and the astronauts re-enter Earth's atmosphere, they start burning up before all contact is lost. Speaking to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Council, Fury is ordered to put together the Avengers Project, with Fury saying that superpower civilians aren't ready yet but his protests fall on deaf ears. Falling to Earth before burning up like that just freaks me out. Horrible way to go. Yeah, I think you, we're really seeing that PG-13 rating coming into play here again, aren't we? Yeah. You wouldn't get a death like that in a regular cartoon, burning I mean, to death. The only, the only worse way is the opposite direction where you just float into space and you die from, you know, running out of stuff, basically. Yeah. 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 Oof. Oof. Both both awful. Anyway, talking to Banner about his newfound energy after If you a... had to pick one which <sighs> of those ways to die, Will. Obviously the burning right one. Right now. Burning. You'd, I, you'd rather burn. I'd rather get it over and done with than float into space. No, you know, for no god knows how many hours or days before I die. Depends on how much mm. air's left in the suit, depends if I've had breakfast. <laughs> what if I needed a poo, Rob? What if I needed a poo? They have feel... stuff plugged into you. You're fine. You got a what? big nappy on. Really? Yeah, you've, you've got, got a catheter and a nappy. Yeah. That's. Mm... Anyway, <laughs> are you saying you don't think you'd poo yourself if you were burning alive in a spaceship fall into Earth? You'd it poo wouldn't yourself matter straight be... away. It wouldn't matter because the poo it, would burn. It would be burn. <laughs> The poo would burn, Rob. It would settle fine. It would burn up. It'd be fine. 
Great. We're just working out all the ways in which Will <laughs> Preston tries to avoid pooing himself before dying. This is like me when I get when, when I'm worried <laughs> yeah. about, oh, that wouldn't happen. And, 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 and this is the first time you're like, oh, no, I've actually invested in this now because I've mentioned yeah. poo. <laughs> We're trying to figure it out. But wouldn't the poo maybe freeze in space? If you're, ed- if you're in re-entry, no. But it might freeze. No, you're saying when you're floating. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. What would, anyway, let's get back to the... I might need to go to the toilet in a bit. If people that have pooed themselves. <laughs> talking to Banner about his newfound energy after recovering Cap, Betty tells her former partner with, uh, that with Cap back, it is Banner's chance to crack the serum. Banner wants to use the serum to solve his Hulk problem and get back with Betty. But Betty rebuffs his advances at rekindling their relationship and tells him that this is Bruce's chance to restore his reputation as a scientist. After living with Banner and the Hulk, Betty can't go back to that lifestyle. The next second, Fury barges in and demands that Banner's team speed up the results on the serum project. But Banner is having a hard time delivering due to the medication he's on to suppress the Hulk. Apparently, the last time he didn't take his meds, the Hulk caused massive damage to a city. Ross informs Fury that they're also waiting on components from Stark Industries, but Fury knows a way to get Tony's attention. Great little uh, dynamic between Bruce and Betty. He wants a relationship, but she is absolutely done. Hmm. Yeah. Also, Fury's a lot more demanding here, isn't he? He's a lot more pushy than than Samuel Jackson was, I feel. Yeah. I, I think the... the a kind of a simplistic a simple storyline like this kind of needs someone to be well, where the hell are my results why are you doing you need to be you know you need someone kind of doing that a little bit it, it feels a bit more like uh, thunderbolt ross than nick fury here but i don't know mm, yeah yeah like, so is this what betty and bruce are like in the ultimate universe is she absolutely done with it he's a tortured man and she's like ah yeah i can't be doing this mate i'm gonna go with she's- that green-haired chap she is awful to him. So, oh, God. Betty Ross isn't a scientist in the Ultimate Universe. She's the PR consultant for the oh. Ultimates. Um, it does, does, it's, it's her job to hide the truth about these unstable scientists and soldiers and present a PR-friendly package of stories to the press and to spin events in a positive way. Did she have to sign a form about a conflict of interest? <laughs> because she was dating maybe yeah um yeah the, the the comic is packed with the cynical takes on the media and yeah. companies Good. and the the military industrial complex it's the boys before the boys right mm. um when they launched the ultimates to the public in a big pr event with a red carpet betty has spent half a million dollars to pack the audience with attractive models to cheer in the audience and wave flags because she doesn't want any r- actual regular people in the audience. She, she, there actually was that she doesn't want the camera to see a bunch of pimple-faced fatties cheering on their favourite super team as Mark Miller Oof. takes a direct swipe at the comic book audience reading the comic. Oh, It's delicious. Um, so she hasn't... So there's this thing of like Bruce Banner keeps saying they're on a break that they're on a, they're only on a break they're not broken up they're only on a break they're not broken up she is fully brazenly dating celebrity men in front of him <laughs> and she treats him horribly and everyone treats Bruce Banner horribly in this comic nobody is a good or nice person in the Ultimates right they're yeah. not I wouldn't say they're, they're all evil or monsters or anything they're oh not yeah, yeah very they're flawed you know they're flawed. 
But she she talks down to him. She mm. berates him for failing to recreate the super soldier serum. She tells him he's let everyone down. She calls him a moron. Oh. And she says, at one stage, when their first appearance of them, she says, I thought being clever was the one thing you could actually do. <laughs> Dating all she those... Just, God. Yeah, sorry. Honestly, this, com- this series is a series of people nudging Bruce Banner towards the edge, despite the fact they know what happens. <laughs> it's wild. That's absolutely wild. Her, her dating, hey Rob, hey Rob, with, with Betty uh, dating all those men in front of uh, uh, Bruce Banner, despite the fact that he thinks they kind of maybe have a chance. They should, they should call him Rob, the Incredible Cuck. Hey, hey! that was a bit too late, but I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah. If you just dropped it in, it would have been great. Yeah, I'm, come on, look at me. I'm not smooth. Uh, apart, my, apart from my head, anyway. Uh, at an incredibly fancy restaurant, billionaire Tony Stark flirts with the woman at the bar before a stunning Russian lady in a red dress approaches him and flirts. Following this enticing lady out, the Russian lady takes Tony to a room. In a more intimate set, in, sorry, in a more intimate setting, the lady pulls out a gun on Tony and reveals herself to be Natasha Romanoff. She actually introduces herself as Natalia Romanoff, Nata- oh. which is. Mm. Natalia Natalia is the Black Widow's real original name. Oh, okay. But for whatever reason, in comics, she's always been Natasha for years and years and years. But she says Natalia in this. Yeah. Okay. She's needs. Why but did you never, change? Never, what? Yeah. I don't. I, I. I didn't see it. It's never been brought up again. Okay. Tony recognizes that name as the Black Widow, but the next second, the voice of Nick Fury from the room tells him that she's his number one. The shield age, sorry, the shield general tells Stark that he needs to speak with Iron Man, knowing Tony can get the superhero for him. The next moment, Jarvis, Tony's butler, tells Stark that he's needed elsewhere, with Tony bidding a polite farewell to Nick and Natasha or Natalia. Approaching a helicopter on the roof of the building, Stark is hassled by Fury for help. Tony relents and tells Jarvis to provide shield with the parts it needs before flying away on a Stark Industries helicopter. So finally, we got a we got a black widow with a Russian accent. Sold. Happy. I'm happy. I'm really happy with that. So Black Widow, I take it she's part of the Ultimates comics as well. Well, she's not part of the team for a while. Mm. Um, the first six or seven issues don't feature her, um, and that's when we eventually then learn that there's this public team. Of good-looking superheroes that are on the red carpet, Cap and Thor and Iron Man. Mm. And then Fury's got his shadow team, the Black Ops version of the Ultimates, who do the ruthless, dirty work. And that's Black Widow, Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch. And a bunch of, like, Marines and snipers and stuff. Mm. They do all the wet work stuff. Um, that can't be associated with the celebrity superheroes that have got sponsorships and endorsements and movie deals. Um, you know, Pietra and Wanda are concurrently members of this team and also wanted mutant terrorists that that, that are part of the Brotherhood of Mutants. They are Magneto's... Ch- Magneto is the biggest terrorist in the world in the Ultimate Universe, and these are his kids. So they're doing these missions in exchange for the release of political prisoners and stuff. Mm. Um, the first time we see Black Widow in this shadow team at work, they are murdering two 
Entire office blocks full of people. Ooh. Matrix style. Just walking in the front door, shooting everyone they can see. It is a bloodbath. It gets explained later on, but in the moment, there is no explanation of what... of, of You just read it going, are they just murdering people? <laughs> um, and they, they kind of are. Um, she's called the Black Widow because she has killed her last three husbands. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a serial Black Widow serial killer kind of deal. Yeah, and we learn that she has cybernetic enhancements to make her better at killing. Oh, bloody so, hell. yeah, she's she's she is something. She's a bit more hardcore and is wicked. Talking to a recuperating Captain America, Banner tells Steve that the Super Soldier program is still ongoing with little success. In order to get the results they need, Banner takes a sample from Cap before leaving the room. Banner hands Steve the picture of Gale they found in his body. Steve asks Banner if she's still alive, and Banner responds, yes, but there's something you need to know. <laughs> well, what is that something? She's really old. She's really old. Oh, you're really I suppose, young. Oh, I suppose it's that, 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 that they, she married. Yeah, you're going to find out. We're going to find yeah. out later. It won't work, Steve. The age difference doesn't work that way. If it was the other way around, then sure, why not? But, you know... There's no age... He's lived the same amount of years as she has lived. There's no age difference. Oh, you know what I mean. He's frozen, you know. <laughs> you, 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 uh, you, there was an opportunity there to go, yeah, I know what you mean, but you went, no, 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 technically it's not true, 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 because the numbers... That's right, yeah. Have you met... Four year, this is our fourth year, Will. Have you not grasped it yet? I will never grasp it. I refuse to. <laughs> I'm just hoping if I could... If, no, I'm not... No. 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 I'm good. Anyway, outside a Pym Industries warehouse in Brooklyn, Nick and Natasha... I'm going to keep saying... Is it right if I just keep saying Natasha? Yeah, why, why would... Nobody cares. Everybody knows. I'm just, knows. I just... It was a point of trivia. In a show about trivia, I just added a little extra trivia. It didn't feel like trivia. It felt like you were correcting me. <laughs> but that... Generally, Will, that is, a, that is a you problem, and I've not been able to dissuade you of it over three years. It's a <laughs> constant thing. Every time anything comes up, you, you, it's not... Nothing Nothing I do is ever criticism. Okay. Well, that's not true. That's, that's not... not that's, that's, that's that's not, no, that's you definitely criticise me. Yeah, that's right. You're a hey. silly boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Nick and Natasha encounter Hank Pym, who has ordered his ants to spell out, Shield sucks, as Pym is still angry over being what fired a loser. by you. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, I, I, I like his style. After a frosty greeting from Hank in his Ant-Man outfit, Hank's wife, Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp, enters and tells Hank that he needs to head to the lab. Speaking with Janet... Nick reveals that he's looking to put a team together and there's a place for Janet. When Janet refuses unless Hank comes, Fury declines as he thinks that Hank isn't up to the task. Janet decides to prove Fury wrong by leading him into the lab. Inside, Nick watches in astonishment as Hank uses his powers to turn into a towering giant. The next second, Natasha gets a message that an airliner is about to crash into Long Island with Iron Man attempting to rescue it. As Nick and Natasha leave, Fury tells Hank and Janet, welcome to the team. So I loved uh, Hank and Janet here. Very uh, very good dynamic between the two. And the way they get excited with Nick wel welcoming them to the team after they've left was a nice little touch. Mm. Very, very good stuff. So is this what Hank and Janet are like in the ultimate Marvel universe? No. <laughs> Strap in. Oh, God. Um, they're, they're kind of Their backgrounds are a bit different. Their personalities are very different. So mm. they're both part of S.H.I.E.L.D. when the story begins. Hmm. But they are relegated to this crap science unit in Pittsburgh where nothing happens. 
Um, <laughs> Hank plays around with a helmet that can control ants. Not in any way helpful to the military. Um, he's trained his ants to make your coffee for you just as long as you're okay with there always being some dead ants in your coffee because <laughs> one of them always falls in. Um, oh, God. Uh, Janet has these size-changing abilities and these wings that grow out of her back when she's small, but Hank can't seem to replicate that with anyone else. So I, These powers I def- that she's got. Yeah, are these like like organic powers? Like she just has, or or has she got a device or something? Or are you going to explain that? I'm going to explain. Oh, I'm going to explain I, everything. I, I need I need to know because I'm there. Like I'm used to the film version where it's just like, oh yeah, she's got a suit, and in this it's like that's not a suit, that's something else. Um, yeah. In the in the it, tra- traditionally the wasp, it's it's uh, powers that Hank Pym's given her, and that's mm. what we have here as, as well. Hank's given her the, the powers. Mm. It's kind of part of the super soldier program, but he can't seem to do it again with anybody else. And all he can do is talk to ants using pheromones. <laughs> um, there's a there's a, a mission they have. It goes badly. Um, Hank gets his ass kicked as Giant Man because he's not a fighter. He's a scientist, um, and he is embarrassed, and he feels humiliated as a result of that. And we see him get jealous, mean, and abusive towards Jan, claiming that she's been drooling all over Cap and Thor and Tony Stark. (laughs) He threatens to expose Jan's dirty little secret. Um, they've been lying about Hank giving her powers. She is, in fact, a mutant, which oh. is a big no-no in the Ultimate Universe. Um, and he insults her by bringing up how disgusting she is. Oh. The gross insect thing she does, like laying eggs in their bed and eating insects and wrapping herself in a mucus cocoon. Okay. And they uh, argue... Mm. <laughs> I, 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 was there, I was there going... If I could live with the with the the eggs and the the eating of insects, I could, I could live with that. But then when he said mucus cocoon, I was like, no, that's a bit, that's too far. They argue back and forth, and Hank hits Jan, oh. um, and she shrinks down to escape, and he begins spraying her with bug repellent. No, saying, uh, I bet this feels like napalm oh, at your size. Awful. She 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 she's tiny. She's hiding. She begs him to let her go. He controls. He puts on his helmet. And controls an army of ants that swarm all over her, and she's drowning in ants. And he's giant from her perspective, and he he's like bellowing, "You should never have made me feel small." The ultimate does 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 two things quite brilliantly. It replicates the personality disorders and the petty infighting of the original 1960s Avengers characters mm. that we've talked about several times, but, but, but presents it in a modern, edgy way. And it constantly uses toxic masculinity as a foil um, and, and as the worst character traits in, in, in these characters. So in the old comics, Ant-Man was, and it stated it plainly, insecure about being literally the smallest member of the team and literally not being strong and big and powerful. And Jan does flirt with Thor and Cap in front of her husband. And in the 1970s, 
or is it the sixties? There is a story where Hank hits Janet, and then it's kind of all swept under the rug as a one-off moment of madness. The Ultimates throws all of that into a pot and creates a brilliant, mature drama mm. where Hank is this weak, toxic dude with anger problems and he's abusive and and all of that, right? You might say, um, Rob, he has little man syndrome. Sure, Yay! yeah. Because he's Ant-Man. And he's okay. Trying... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I would just dial down cheering during the uh, domestic abuse story. That's just me. <laughs> we have, we have I was different, cheering my pun! We just have different things that we want to do. Um, for the for the record, Will does not cheer or do you celebrate anything as horrible as that. Just, when I... 1940s Steve Rogers finds out that Hank has hit a woman... He uses spy satellites to track him down and beats the crap out of him in an alley outside a pub. Hank keeps trying to defend himself by saying these kind of like modern world excuses or explanations for the situation's behavior. So he's like, for God's sake, Cap, I'm I'm in therapy. I mean, I'm taking antidepressants. I I need to go to counseling. We need to work this out. You wouldn't have a guy with glasses on, would you? (laughs) 1940s Cap is just like, nope, going to kick your ass. No excuse. He goads Hank. He keeps punching Hank, saying, get big. Come on. Get big. Ooh. Give me something real to fight. Because you're not a real man. So you hit women. So get big and give me something to fight. And eventually, Hank becomes giant man. And he's like, you brought this on yourself. And Cap is, runs. looks like he runs away. What he actually does is he runs to the top of a building, leaps out of a window so he's head height. And so he can punch giant man oh. in the face. And then he manages to topple him into a construction site kicks the crap, drops metal girders onto Giant Man and breaks, like, almost every bone in his body. <laughs> and he's like, you feel, still feel like a big man, do you? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it's just... Uh, and then when he goes to... Um, he kind of goes to visit Jan in hospital and she rejects what he's done completely. Mm. As like, I didn't need a white knight. I didn't need you to get involved in my marriage. How dare you? And so there's just... Like all that infighting from the sixties and seventies is again turned the volume turned up to eleven and, and kind of repackaged in this very edgy modern way. God, this is so Mark Miller at times. It's really I'm, I'm seeing echoes of it. You know, dealing with dark subjects like that and you know the toxic masculinity and seeing it in his, some of his other work. I mean, I, I I have to say, outside of the Ultimates, I struggle with Mark Miller's yeah. writing. This is him at his absolute best. And I, 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 it's some wonderful ideas. It's some lovely cynicism and satire and humor. But I also think he's working under the constraints of, of, of some very good editorial direction. That would make um, so much sense because I've read plenty of unedited Mark Miller for my, for my time I have. Feels it feels like it, yeah. It feels yeah. like I think once someone gets successful, they can maybe cash their own checks and kind of say, "Well, I know what I'm doing. You don't need to rein me in." It's kind of like, and this is going to be a big stretch. It's kind of like when Michael Bay was under the thumb of Jerry Bruckheimer and Bruckheimer and the other one, and as soon as he became his own thing, he became a bit more unhinged, right? In terms yeah, of dialogue and stuff. It's like ooh, you can really tell the difference. Anyway. Above New York, an airline plummets from the sky with Iron Man attempting to correct its course. 
Almost crashing into a bridge, Iron Man safely guides the plane into the river before being ambushed by adoring news reporters. As Iron Man starts responding, his surveillance equipment picks up Nick Fury's voice from a S.H.I.E.L.D. plane circling overhead. Jetting away before S.H.I.E.L.D. troops enter the scene, Iron Man is chased by S.H.I.E.L.D. jet fighters, with Nick Fury radioing Iron Man, asking to just have a talk. After Iron Man arrogantly rebuffs Nick Fury, Hank Pym, as Giant Man, looms out from behind a skyscraper and slaps Iron Man to the streets below. Getting up, Iron Man comes face to face with Fury, demanding to know what the S.H.I.E.L.D. general wants. Fury needs Iron Man for a team he's putting together, but the flying mechanical man refuses, saying he only works alone. So Giant Man appearing from behind a building and slapping Iron Man midair actually made me burst out laughing. It was a great <laughs> little moment. It's just like, hey! <laughs> so, this is weird because they don't know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. That's the one difference I'm taking away so far. But what else can you tell us about the ultimate version of Iron Man? <clears throat> uh, again, he's introduced in, in this Ultimate Marvel team-up with uh, Spider-Man. He's already a famous billionaire. Tony Stark's already a famous billionaire. And Iron Man is already a famous hero in New York. We learn that um, it's roughly the same origin, although he's kidnapped on a business trip in Guatemala. I was about to There's say, no... which war is it this time, Rob? Which war yeah, is it this no, time? It's just, it's just some terrorists and, or some guerrilla fighters in Guatemala. Yeah. He doesn't have anything wrong with his heart. Nothing exploded and went into his heart. Um, he built the Iron Man armor to save himself and the other people that have been captured, and we know that S.H.I.E.L.D. is after the Iron Man tech, and he doesn't want to give it up. The ultimate version of Iron Man um, is the first to reveal that his identity to the whole world, and the first to have Iron Man live as this super-famous billionaire and superhero. Ultimate Marvel did it first. Mm. In the Marvel comics, he's the classic superhero identity. is still yeah. going. Regular Marvel would follow suit and copy this mm. later uh six months later or something um that's how kind of a, a good decision it was and this is really so when the ultimate start tony has been fasting on a mountain as part of a extreme sports slash spiritual meditation event <laughs> and he literally it's like the, you know when you have these stories of the wise man came down from the mountain and said yeah, this yeah, yeah. this is literally what, happened. what tony start comes down from a mountain and says, I've meditated and fasted, and I'm like, yeah, I need to work for S.H.I.E.L.D., and I need to join this team. Um, and Miller and Hitch, Brian Hitch, the artist, have tons of fun with Ultimate Tony, because they can insert him into... The Ultimate plays with loads and loads of real-world scenes and celebrities yeah. and figures. So Tony Stark's interviewed on Larry King. Um, <laughs> he's on Oprah. He's dating Jennifer Tilly. Um, he knows President George Bush. Uh, he does a live broadcast from the International Space Station where he's taken as a date his new girl, Shannon Elizabeth. She, <laughs> she was the it girl of that era, American yeah. Pie and a bunch yeah, of other stuff. Yeah. And Brian Hitch draws all these real-world people brilliantly and, and, and realistically. Um, and Tony's kind of, you know, he's arrogant and audacious and... He sometimes only wears the Iron Man armor to fly past the office buildings of modeling agencies to wave at the prettiest girls in New York. <laughs> he hooks up with Black Widow in the men's room very quickly, right before a big fight. Um, 
he drinks constantly. Um, alcoholism had been a part of Iron Man's story in the regular Marvel Universe. In this, he's constantly drinking these cocktails and stuff. and He's just a cigarette habit away from being flying Don Draper. Yeah. <laughs> he says, he explains it by saying, who in their right mind would get into that armour sober? <laughs> Superb. Absolutely um, superb. His booze is constantly supplied by a bitchy butler called Jarvis, who Tony is hired to be the classic English footy duddy butler. Yeah. And but this guy is like, like <laughs> I don't know how to describe him. He's uh, he's constantly insulting Tony, questioning all his macho masculine traits, saying that any man that feels a need to parade around in a jet engine and tell the world how many women he's slept with is clearly hiding something, sir. Um, so that, he's constantly insinuating that Tony Stark is a repressed homosexual. I, I think that's like just edgy Alfred because I've been reading lots of Batman and Alfred always comes out with those little quips. He's great at that. And this just sounds like they've turned him into bitchy Alfred. Yeah, he also is, tr- tr- tries to hit on Thor and and cap as well and they're serving him dinner and uh, tony's like i don't think uh i don't think thor kind of uh swings that way uh oh, jarvis, Jar- jarvis is gay in this yeah and jarvis yeah. is like he's just grinning as he's serving thor and he goes the night is young <laughs> <laughs> yes yes well i'm think picturing now is uncle monty from with northern eye mm. i know you're awake boy The Iron Man armor itself is nothing like the regular Marvel Universe armor. It's nowhere near as high-tech. Okay. So, really interestingly, it requires a full team of support staff to get it to work. Amazing. Like a jet plane or an F1 pit team, right? (laughs) He has to have people help him kind of like be bolted into the armor. (laughs) Yeah. And all these engineers that maintain it. Oh, that's When he crashes, he has to radio, I need the support team, I've just crashed. Come and get me. Um, it can fly and it can shoot lasers and fire missiles and has a force field. But these things constantly and quickly drain the battery of the suit. Yeah. So it's always breaking down um, and requiring Incredible. repairs and stuff. When he's in his first what, the first fight we see him in, he's like, I'm getting my ass kicked. The, all, the targeting is, is X amount of centimeters wrong. The targeting's off. <laughs> that is so... Look, I, I knew I, you'd I, like that stuff. I knew you'd like it. But that's kind of true because it's so that that kind of equipment, that kind of engineering, is so like particular and can, it's it's yeah. so prone to going wrong because so many different things. Like, oh god, I love that. That is tremendous. And then about midway through the series, Tony reveals why he he finally decided to join Shield after all and and go along with this mad team idea. He has an inoperable brain tumour, and he doesn't have long to live. I don't know whether this is meant to stand in for the heart condition, but Mm. he's like, I've got between six months and two years, and so he drinks and he smokes and he philanders and he straps himself to a a death machine and fights terrorists. Um, Yeah, so that's uh, that's ultimate, ultimate Iron Man. Incredible, incredible. Elsewhere in the city, Steve Rogers in his old army uniform. And then, sorry, to, I, I mean, and I, and I should probably hit harder that this is much, much closer to the personality that they'd use in the MCU than anything we've had in the regular Marvel universe. It's not exactly. It's not. Yeah. It's not like exactly, but it's it's like him being him having like quips and insults and him 
that's him being kind of like over the top and slight and kind of arrogant and stuff. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot closer, and you don't really get that in the in the regular Marvel universe until after Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal. Right. That that that, that makes sense. It's like it's like the first steps towards that. Anyway, yeah, it's not bang on, but it's mm. it's closer. Elsewhere in the city, Steve Rogers in his old army uniform and under the escort of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents walks through his old neighbourhood. Finding the home of Bucky Barnes, Steve is greeted by an elderly Barnes who welcomes him in for a coffee. Looking at Barnes's photos, he notices that his old friend Ga- older friend, friend married Gale while he was in the ice. But Barnes assures Steve that she had a good life. While they talk, an emotional Gale listens to them from upstairs. When Steve asks about the rest of their old platoon, Barnes' smile drops. At a cemetery, Steve looks on at the tombstones of everyone he lost. Nick Fury approaches him from behind and says, We need you more than ever. Steve uh, Rogers, innocently being baffled by two goths walking down the street and the TVs in the shop window, was actually, it was a great little moment. It's almost wholesome because he's, yeah. he's, he's confused, but not, not too childlike. But he, he's not getting angry or going, Oh, what the hell is all this? He's sort of going, Huh. I'm 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 kind of pleased we never really got got that in the MCU. As someone that lived through the eighties and the early nineties where there was a lot of the Fish out of water. Fantasy fish out of water yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like uh Star Trek for the the Voyage Home or whatever Voyage it is. Home, yeah, yeah. Which is funny, but I've seen I've seen it played out an awful lot it's and it was it would have so, felt quite dated. It's like such, Cat such a can't trope. believe the world he wakes up in. They, this was a nice little touch, obviously, and I think they do it right. They they do it sparingly in the Avengers films, like with little references. Yeah, like, but it's not like yeah. We we didn't we didn't get a Captain America film that is him getting a makeover and reacting to the internet. We didn't get that. It's just Cap is very well suited, and in yeah. fact, at one stage in in the Ultimates, the comic book, he talks about how you're adapting really well, and he goes, "Yeah, I don't know." If it's something to do with all the super soldiers serum and stuff they gave me, they made me adaptable to any situation, and maybe that's what's helping me. I don't know. That would, um, but that was quite sense. interesting. That's that's really interesting. Also, the reunion here with Bucky Barnes, just brilliant. The emotional weight and tone is just right. Yeah, just right. Sadly, it does cancel out Winter Soldier, but hey, I like this. Winter Soldier isn't a part of this, <laughs> yeah, but I, I want him to come up later. I want him, you know. He can't. He's 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 lived. It. He's an old man. He's all okay. On a shield plane, Nick Fury briefs Steve Rogers on the rest. This of the- was that. Sorry, the Ultimates is the first story that presents Bucky and Cap knowing each other before the army that they were friends together, childhood friends together. Ah, uh, instead of the and Batman the, and Robin esque. Yeah, duo. and that Bucky is older than Cap, and that Bucky used to save him from bullies that's yeah. all in the ultimates right at the start in dialogue and they lift that for the for the uh the the, the mcu fantastic on a in the comics he just finds a small child <laughs> put just... this costume on and jump in front of bullets with me kid you you look disposable on a shield yeah. plane nick fury briefs steve rogers on the rest of the new team with steve surprised to see someone claiming to be thor the norse god of thunder on board, uh, on board a Greenpeace boat blocking a whaling ship, Thor orders the whalers to stand down. One of the whalers grabs a rifle and fires a shot at Thor, but misses. Taking out Molnir, Thor summons a mighty storm that violently shakes the boat, forcing the whalers to return to port. 
The next minute, Nick Fury and Steve Rogers appear in a shield jet. Nick approaches Thor to join the team, but Thor arrogantly declines, saying that the son of Odin is not interested in the wars of man. But hugs Steve Rogers goodbye, knowing that with Cap on board, the team will have a conscience. What was that all about? Well, I think he gets gets guesses that Cap is a good guy, or he's heard he, about. He makes him. a comment. He makes a comment about how he kind of knows him. Maybe they play it off in a sequel. I can't remember. But it might I, be played off in a sequel. But I think everyone's been. It's not from told it's not about from Captain the America. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's because because they have all been told about him. But like, then I want a line of dialogue where he says, "I even I have heard of your good deeds," something like that. So I kind of I'm not left going. Does he know him? I think. Hollywood, you know, you have script writers and script editors and all these people. I think they need someone like you to just go, look, you can stick one bit of dialogue in that explains that bit. And my, like, I, my sister, my sister always used to, she'd always used to talk about how she doesn't understand, ad, she doesn't get any of the adverts on television. Mm. And, tra- and she goes, they need me because I don't know nothing. They need me in a room. They play me the advert and I go, I don't understand it. What is it trying to do? Yeah. And they have to rework the advert. And then, then she goes, I get it now. That's you want me to buy the, chips. That's that's the thing. It's all about yeah. You can explain something complicated, but if you can't explain something complicated to so, to an absolute layperson, what's the point? What's the point yeah. of explaining it? There we go. Anyway, I I appreciate because every time you do this thing where it's just like five seconds of dialogue, you have never been wrong, and I really appreciate that. Simple fixes. I imagine you just get left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, you know, just probably to save time. It's it's not that important. Leave it. Chop it out. Yeah. On the plane ride back, Nick explains to Steve that the seemingly calm Bruce Banner, when angered, will turn into the Hulk, a nightmarish monster. Also, I liked seeing uh, the version of Thor, who's an environmental activist. Um, mm. I absolutely loved that. Obviously, we said, oh, that probably won't happen uh, with the films because of, you know, anti-corporate corporate Thor wouldn't work. But hey, so, ult- Ultimate Thor, I'm interested to know... What more can you do to make the Norse God of Thunder more ultimate? Well, we, in the ultimate, we never know if he's the real deal or not. Oh, fantastic. I love it. Mark Miller quite a lot likes to play with kind of ambiguity in, mm. in, in a lot of his superhero stories. Some of that is that he is not a proponent of show, don't tell. He is very much a proponent of tell, tell, tell. Um, <laughs> you might say that's like more exposition i i don't quite know it's all through dialogue it's all quite preppy peppy dialogue what i what i like to think about it is that even when i don't particularly like the story that he's written it's kind of nice to have elements of ambiguity it's kind of nice to yeah. not have seen the thing but to have a character go i heard this happened did you see this this character they did that and the other person's like what are you talking about i quite like that you don't quite sure all the time it, it, it's also good economy storytelling to not explain everything away and allow the the, the audience to make the jump themselves or, or have some ambiguity and some and ambiguity is just a bit a little bit more interesting and with mm. thor in the ultimates there are two stories he mm. tells the world that he is god made flesh the true son of odin the god of thunder from norse myth sent to save the world he writes self-help books and he hosts <laughs> hippie retreats and communes and Amazing. and he's a political activist and he's protests and things against corporations and governments and he speaks out against America's military aggression and expansion um especially kind of the I mean all that stuff the the the, the was was even bigger in in the wake of 9/11 yeah i can imagine and all of this has earned him a big big following of kind of conspiracy theorists and political dissidents and 
outsiders um, who seem to truly believe he's the God of Thunder. But because he does have superpowers, I mean, he does have superpowers. He can fly. He can summon thunder and lightning with with a big hammer. He looks strong. Um, But he doesn't talk in the old Marvel Shakespearean way. He's just, hi, I'm Thor. How are you? You know, he has a regular vernacular. Okay. But S.H.I.E.L.D. have this full document on him, and they say, oh, he was a mental patient. Uh, He had a... (laughs) He had a mental breakdown several years ago. He was institutionalized for two years. He dropped off the grid. And then the next thing you know, he's in the public eye with powers telling everyone he's a god. Um, but but Bruce Banner and Captain America have superpowers. Doesn't mean they're gods or they're yeah. magic or they're fantasy people. And he keeps turning up and saying things like, sorry, I'm late. I was fighting the Midgard Serpent and my evil half-brother Loki, the god of yeah. mischief. Yeah. And everyone just stares at him, and then Nick Fury go, "Okay, man, what, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's just move on." So it's played in this way of like, oh, no one on the team believes him. Nobody brilliant. around him believes him. That's so everyone good. thinks he's he, yeah, he's kind of nuts. And he has a line. He, he has a dinner at one point, and he kind of explains, "I knew I was a god since I was twelve years old, but I didn't remember my whole life and everything until this so-called breakdown." Um, but it's we don't know. General Nick Fury. I don't know why I gave his full name there. Nick Fury contacts Thor about joining the the Ultimates, and Thor refuses to work for this military-industrial complex. I despise your president and your this, that, and the other. There's um. So yeah, he doesn't. He does not join the Ultimates. A bit like how Iron Man in this doesn't join at the start. Mm. Thor doesn't join. There's a there's a big attack on Manhattan. And the Ultimates are in serious trouble. They're very outpowered. And Thor texts Nick Fury, <laughs> texts him, and says, I can come help, but only if President Bush doubles America's foreign aid budget now. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. So Fury has to make some calls, and he gets the budget doubled, and then he comes and helps. And after this big fight that he helps out with, Tony Stark hosts like a, a really nice dinner all the heroes and Thor and Tony become drinking buddies and he admires Cap. Um, so although he refuses to join this team and to work for the American government and the military, he pledges his aid to his friends if they need his help. That's good. Um, and, uh, and Cap makes this kind of joke of like, this is even better. Now we get you for free, soldier. Um, <laughs> and Nick Fury is like, ah, all this time I've been trying to get Thor involved. I never thought of making him dinner and being his friend how did i miss that one <laughs> yeah. that's what that's what tony stark brings to the team he's like yeah, a really charm. He's really good at relationships yeah charm. um but it's played that there's no proof about is thor crazy or a mystic being that's brilliant and then I love in, that. in the sequel ultimates 2 which is also by the same creative team it's the last one that's that's really the ultimates we meet the european defense initiative which is like Europe's version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And they turn up and say, oh, hey, FYI, Thor, that's one of our European super soldiers. He, oh. He ran amok. He's gone off. Yeah. He was a troubled Norwegian psychiatric nurse named Thorleif Goldman who became part of their super soldier program. And his powers are not natural. They're not magic. They're actually, according to them, all part of of their tech. He has a belt and his hammer, they're all the source of his abilities. But 
it just gets there are layers to it in the sequel. There are layers to it. The mystery of Thor and what's going on with him is a big, big part of Ultimates 2, the sequel. And we've got all of that on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Our big deep dive for this month is going to be all of the Ultimates, including the, the, the sequel with all of that in. Me and Will, our whole life is watching movies. And I, I really, really mean that. It's not just like re-watching movies for this podcast. Movies are just such a huge, huge part of how we relax and chill out after work. They're also like a really big part of how I socialize with um, family and friends. Let me tell you what is absolutely <laughs> brutal, Will. That is sitting around and talking to your family. Oh, no. With all their... <laughs> all their weird politics and opinions that they want to share with you. Ugh. F that. Uh, I always rely on a movie. Because um, there's a really good way of, like, just, just just if you can find the right one, it just, not only does it distract everyone, but it kind of also brings everyone together. If you've got, you know, if you struggle with certain family members, a movie's a really great way of you having, like, a shared experience and you don't have to listen to them talk about how weird Uncle Bill has become recently. <laughs> Is that something you do? And I know you I know you and your mom, you and, and your fiancé, you get together, your wife, sorry, you get together and you watch uh, all sorts of movies and stuff and you've got, like, uh, movies that you want to find for your mom to watch. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's one of the leading forms of conversation, film talk. I mean, why would you want to talk about how your day was gone? All our days have gone terribly. That's why we, <laughs> that's why we have films to distract us from our terrible day <laughs> but i really struggle finding movies to watch it's a real thing i i, I need i need it to be good right yeah it, it's it's such an investment of precious free time at the end of the day and i know you're the same you really need to find something that is is gonna actually be worth you've, if you've only got five hours at the end of the day, you don't want two or three of them to be rubbish watching a film you hate. No. And Netflix recommendations suck. They're, They're so, so bad. terrible. So bad. Like all these streaming players, like all that recommended for you stuff, it's just bad algorithms pushing movies they want in on you. Would you like to watch this new movie we made? What about me makes you think I would want to watch <laughs> that? You know all that. It's just such a nightmare. And most of the time you get to that, I get stuck into that thing, and all my friends are the same. You scroll, scroll, scroll for hours, and then you watch something that's been recommended to you, and you have to turn it off after like halfway through because it's rubbish. Mm. So you just give up on movies altogether. And and I don't know about you, are you the same? Will but I end up. That's why I end up watching. Like, oh, I'll just I'll just watch all of Cheers all over again, or <laughs> Seinfeld all over again, because I can't find a movie I want to watch. No, I I I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same because there's too many. There's too many bad movies out there, and you want to find the best ones. And there's only so much limited time. It's like you could not watch all the, all films. All films you cannot watch them within your lifetime. There's so many films, so you've got to really pin hone it down. down. Yeah. Hone it down. What's worth watching? Well, we've got the solution, folks. We've partnered up with Everlist.me, who are changing the way that we find movies. Recommendation sites fail because they're biased and they don't take into account your personal tastes. Nope. They have no idea. Everlist fixes this by giving you movie suggestions from real people. Like me and Will. Yeah. Real people. <laughs> 
who have exactly the same kind of taste and like the same movies that you like. So what you do is on everlist.me, you create a list of your top favourite movies. And Everlist then matches you with other real people, not reviewers paid by a certain website to have a certain opinion and not an algorithm. Everlist will match you with real people who have the same taste as you. So when they recommend a movie, it's a recommendation you know you can trust. Best of all, it's all completely free. Yes. Me and Will have gone on to everlist.me and we've both created our, our profiles and our top 10. I've got in my top 20, actually, top movies. Um, how did we find that, Will? Because I, I used to do this in the pub with mates. Uh, like I can remember doing this at least 10, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. And the list has some stayed the same, some has changed. But coming up with the list and then and then ranking, not just coming up with your top ten, but Oof. going, well, what's number one? Yeah. What is the best? What do I think is my best film ever? I can't I can't do it, but I mean I've put I've put lists together on here. Uh, and I will probably get around to honing it, you know, really trim it down, expanding, you know, getting what are my best films. You, but have you not ordered yours yet? Yeah, well, I'm, you've I'm, just got your top twenty or whatever. I've got top uh twenty two so far. And yeah. man, I, I I did put in some ones in there that might be a bit questionable, but I put in some absolute bangers in there too. What's why? What, I mean, it's been an interesting process of going like, of of, of ha- collating all my favourite movies and then having to go, but what 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 is kind of like top place? What is top ten? <laughs> Work on the ranking later. What's top ten? And then what's okay being in the top twenty? Yeah, I found that a real process, and it's been interesting to see how certain movies have changed, like. I showed my I, I got my, my my best friend on the on the website as well on our list, and she's like, ah, oh, because I I like some Wes Anderson movies, and she said when you did this list years ago, she says I remember Rushmore being your favorite Wes Anderson movie, so but it's not even on. I went, oh yeah, it's not, and I was like, it's because when I was younger, like fifteen years ago, I was so much closer to to youth. And um, stories of like unrequited love, and now I'm a broken down old man. I want the Royal Tenenbaums. I want stories of shattered families and Gene Hackman <laughs> getting a second chance. Come on, it's been an interesting little experiment. Um, we both the I think the only thing we crossovered on Will on our top ten, on our top twenties or whatever, mm. we only had two movies that crossed over. Yes, um, in the top ten, mm. we just had Spider Man two. Mm-hmm. And the Big Lebowski oh, and the yeah. rest, not a match at all. Not a match um, at all. It's, it's 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 really bizarre. And you've yet to shout at me for some <laughs> of my films. personal taste. Well, we had we both had the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yours is in your top ten. It was in my top twenty. So it's been an interesting thing to see how little or how much me and Will do or don't cross over. It's just been it's been it's it's weird it's fun it's kind of challenging but the only challenge comes from your own mind <laughs> like <laughs> is this a better movie than that yeah um, so guys if you sign up to everlist.me you can follow rob holden you can follow will preston you can check out our top 10 movies you can share your top movies with us see how many crossovers we have see how much differences we have and then you can check out our recommendations and for movies and you can give us your recommendations um it's all completely free it's a load of fun to do um and what i'm doing is i'm seeing who i match better with going through their top 20 30 40 and going oh what haven't i seen if we, if me and this person overlap so heavily, like seventy five percent, 
I got to check out movies that he's seen that I haven't seen. And that's going to be my recommendation for the rest of the year. Um, it's a really great way of finding movies that you're going to like and, and, and protecting that free time you've got. Um, so uh, signing up completely free. It just take it's barely, barely a couple of minutes before you're signed up and you can start sharing and putting your list together and everything like that. It's very free, very easy. Um, we've also, me and Will, hmm. oh, we've created the official Marvel versus Marvel top 20 superhero movies list um you can go and fight go and follow marvel versus marvel on everlist.me and you'll be able to find our, our our selections and that was a bloody process wasn't it will it, it, it was mainly because i'm quite stupid but no we, we it was like negotiating do you know what it was like playing was. one of those trading card games where it's like i've got that okay i'll, I'll have that i'll have that <laughs> because it's an extra challenge when it's two people we've got to agree on everything to make the the to make this podcast top 10, we've got to agree. We had six, I think initially we had six that were on both our, we separately made lists and came together. So we had six that were definitely both of us liked. Mm. So we had to negotiate the other four. Or was it, or was it four? Um, no, it, it was, was, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of negotiating basically. It was four and we had six we had to negotiate. That yeah. was, um, that was, and we built up and did the top 20 and I'm still furious. There's one movie that isn't in the top 20 and I'm livid because I can't believe that that's not in there. And oh, I'm hoping to bring get it in when we collaborate on the next 30 and 40. <laughs> so join everlist.me. That's everlist.me. Follow Marvel versus Marvel. Let us know. Do you agree with our top 10 superhero movie list? Our top 20. What's your top 10 superhero movie list? Where have we gone wrong? Where have we gone right? There's a couple of controversial takes in there. Um, and let us know. Follow and share and tell us what wants to be on there and all of that. And then check out our personal ones as well. Our, our, our top movies that aren't to do with superheroes. Or they can be because Spider-Man 2 is in mine. Um, head over to everlist.me and join the Marvel versus Marvel gang. Share your movies with us. Check out the best new way to find recommendations for your movie night. Back to the show. Back at HQ, Bruce and Betty are joined in the meeting room by Hank and Janet, followed by Nick, Steve and Natasha. Briefing everyone, Nick Fury tells everyone that they are now part of Project Avenger and under the command of Captain America. Nick is interrupted by Iron Man stomping into the briefing room late, also part of the team. Nick informs the team of a previously Nazi-controlled island off the coast of Norway that launched a nuclear missile against the US at the end of the war, but was stopped by Captain America. Confused why the Nazis had access to an intercontinental nuclear device in 1945, Nick explains that they had help from extraterrestrials. Since then, the Chitauri have gone into hiding on Earth, with S.H.I.E.L.D. unsuccessfully attempting to use a satellite to track and reveal them. After this incident, S.H.I.E.L.D. was able to recover a piece of the alien wreckage composed of an unknown alloy that they have named Vibranium. Demonstrating Vibranium's ability to soak up energy, Nick orders S.H.I.E.L.D. troops to open fire with various weapons on the Shard, but it stays intact. Only a nuke or other Vibranium weaponry can change it. Unfortunately, the amount of Vibranium recovered by S.H.I.E.L.D. is minimal, but Tony Stark is working on a solution. Realising the desperate situation that Earth is in, the team agree to be part of the Avengers. That night outside a military base, a guard is killed and impersonated by a Chitauri. 
So we've got limited supplies of an alien alloy recovered from alien ships needed to use against an invading alien force, which is pretty much exactly what happens in the game XCOM. You need to recover alien parts from missions to research and build better weapons and craft, but you, you have to be careful with how much you use. So it gets really interesting. Like, you know, Ooh. It's a good game. Both Ooh. the original and the remake, great games. I'm a huge XCOM fan. But, yeah. And the same people cool. who did XCOM then went on to make the game Marvel Midnight Suns. Oh, what a tie-in. What a link. I, I wasn't going to tie in at the end, but it came to my head. Oh, yeah, there is a tie-in here. Great. Do it. <laughs> That's called uh, intelligence, people. Right. Might be jumping the gun here. But I'm going to come out and say it. They are basically using the Tatari as a standard for the scrolls, right? They're base. That's basically what they're doing here. Hmm. So what? Can, what? 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 About, what? What? You can tell us about the Tatari here, because obviously, you know, you, you look like you've got something important to say. Are they from the? <laughs> are, they, are they from the, the? Are they from the Ultimate Universe? Are they why the Ultimates are formed in the first place? What can you tell us? The Ultimates are f- formed with nothing to do. Um, <laughs> That's the most post 9-11 thing I've heard in my life. Yeah, a a big part of the first story is that Fury is spending $150 billion to put the team together, and then there's nothing to do. No. So they constantly have all these questions from the press and other politicians to justify this kind of military spending. Um, And... What if there's never any need for this team that costs us 150 billion a year? So, because so far in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, there's only been one super terror attack, and that was Magneto, who nearly killed the president on the lawn of the White House. Ooh, that's damn. enough to get the president to greenlight all this money, but now they have to justify it because, like, well, there's no other threat of that level in existence. And Nick Fury's like, well, you don't... That's not how you do it. You you, you plan for the worst, right? Um, they can't just keep doing photo ops and PR events. But we do later learn that... And this kind of is then at odds with what with the first six issues, I suppose, sort of. We later learn that Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. have been aware of an alien race called the Chitari since the Second World War. And they've become... Heavily active again recently, shapeshifting, shapeshift by eating humans and wearing their skin. Yay! It's like men in like black. Like they, whatever they eat, like they need all the they need all the skin and the bones and everything. They need to eat all of that so that they can then, however they do it, reconstitute it in their yeah. body and then look like the person. It's very disgusting. Um, it is. We learned that the Chitari were behind the Nazi Party. No. Propped them up, gave them tech and manpower, used their shape-shifting and infiltration abilities to wipe out opponents and bring Hitler to power, indulged Hitler, indulged his death camps and his genocide because, you know, it was closer to conquering the world. Um, and then even with the war won, the, the, the Allies dropped their bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki to wipe out colonies of Chitari that were there. Uh... Hitler's wow. dead. The war's won. Why are we dropping bombs? Chitari. Um, <laughs> so they thought that Chitari were all dead, but they've been hiding in the shadows kind of ever since and pulling little s- strings all over the globe. Um, so in in the Ultimate Comics, they are shapeshifters like the Skrulls. And there was a lot of fan speculation at the time with readers that they would be revealed as the Ultimate Universe version of the Skrulls. Right. 
That never, as far as I'm a, so I have a, I have a memory, but I'm I'm doubting it, right? I I I think I remember there being a throwaway comic comment in a comic where someone is talking about the Chitari and saying they've had lots of different names throughout the galaxy. Um, within a bunch of those different names, the scrolls was there, mm. but. To be honest with you, I've not found any evidence of that in my research and reading for this. And it might just be my mind playing tricks on me. I can't... Because then it's become muddied over the years. Yeah, so I, I reckon it could be that because you're talking about keeping track on several different timelines, different retellings of similar stories, and, you know, they come so together. what we do know is that Mark Miller's conception for the Chitari is inspired by David Icke. <laughs> a British oh, conspiracy theorist. Love it. David Icke, who is a punchline in this country and a nobody and a loser, right? He's a conspiracy theorist that is happy to publicly say that he believes the world is secretly run by an elite, the Illuminati, that are shape shifting reptilian humanoids. Yeah. The term Chitari is actually taken from one of his books. No way! <laughs> the Chitari describes these shape-shifting reptile humanoids in his uh, book, The Reptile Agenda. Um, so, yeah, they reveal David Icke in this book reveals the story of the Chitari takeover of planet Earth. So this is just... This is just Mark Miller just trolling. That's, um, that's Mark Miller trolling for the good... <laughs> In fact, Amazing. in fact, once the Chitari actually start their grand takeover plan, Miller has their plots contain a bunch of Ike's other batshit crazy conspiracy theories. So the aliens are going to release drugs into the water that make everyone placid through hormonal control and stop them from questioning things, make them sheeple. The next wave of mobile phones will brainwash users. There we go. Um, doctors will start putting microchips into babies. It's just elite level trolling from Mark Miller at this point. That's um, brilliant. So, yeah. And then once the Avengers movie lifted tons from the ultimates that included the chitari mm. so once they're in the avengers movie that makes them popular enough that the regular marvel universe have to introduce them so they introduce the chitari <laughs> into the marvel universe yeah and it may well be and and then and then after a while they are revealed to have had in the 616 universe the chitari have some ancient shared ancestry with the scrolls they're like an ah. offshoot branch or something like that. That makes perfect. That's brilliantly explained. Oh, my God. All because of David Icke. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. Back at HQ, Steve Rogers is led into the rebirth room in Banner's lab, having flashbacks to receiving the super soldier serum. On the desk, he is reunited with his old shield, taking pride of place in a shrine to Captain America. Banner tells Steve that he had to learn everything about him. As Banner performs more blood tests, Steve brings up the. Hulk. Do we? Do we? Do we? Uh, my reading of that line was that he was covering for the fact that he's a fanboy. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't read it that way, but like he's sitting in the shield shrine. and all the clippings, and he's just. I, I had to learn everything about you. Yeah, and, guy, and I was that, thinking, yeah, it's yeah. it's a fanboy with, like, if um, if George Clooney came to my house and saw my George Clooney shrine, I'd have to say, I'm writing an article. <laughs> I don't love you deeply. It's for a book I'm writing. You'd have to come up with something, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes absolute sense. As Banner performs more blood tests, Steve uh, brings up the Hulk, launching Banner into an angry rant about how the Hulk has ruined Bruce's life. But Banner reveals he can use Steve's blood to exert more control over the Hulk, turning his curse into a blessing for humanity. But Rogers doesn't see eye to eye, feeling that being Captain America is a curse and telling Banner to focus on his science. Suddenly, Steve receives a call from Nick Fury and exits, leaving a frustrated Banner growing more angry. But Betty Ross notices this from the next room and rushes in to inject Banner with his medication. Ross angrily tells Banner that he's not the only victim here. They're really framing uh, Banner as an embittered self-interest scientist here. It almost feels like he's setting up to be the bad guy. Almost. Well, in the comics, yeah, we just we just see things get worse and worse for Bruce in the Ultimates. Um, yeah. Once, once, once Cap is pulled out of the ice and they've got access to his blood, Pym uses those samples to create the size-changing serum to become Giant Man. And it can then be replicated for any other soldier, meaning that S.H.I.E.L.D. can now have a platoon of giant soldiers. <laughs> so, and Bruce is unable to recreate the even though he's got access to Steve Rogers' blood, he can't recreate the Super Soldier Serum at all. So he gets demoted. Ooh. And they give Hank Pym his old job as the head of the program. Oh, dear. When Hank cracks it and and becomes giant man and grows this huge size and everyone is celebrating one of the scientists like slaps bruce on the back and he's like isn't he just the coolest no and bruce has this flash in his mind of being the hulk destroying things and then he just boom snaps back to reality and he just dejectedly has to say in public yes hank pym the man who took my job is the coolest (laughs) so they're just edging him towards Something. He's going to transform into the Incredible Cuck. Meeting. I'm. I'm. I'm proud of that one. Meeting with Nick Fury. Steve is briefed about a recent incident where a Chitauri infiltrated a Shield facility, killing everyone in its way. Nick guess. Nick's guess is. Uh, is. Is it's after the Shield satellites, as the alien has used the automated security to lock itself in the room containing the satellite computers. Nick issues Steve with a new Shield constructed from a part vibranium alloy. As the Chitauri infiltrator starts to manipulate the satellite computer, a S.H.I.E.L.D. transport plane lands outside, with Captain America, Black Widow, Giant Man and the Wasp ready to infiltrate. The next second, Iron Man lands nearby to help the team. It's great seeing Cap in his new gear and S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I, I mean, like, this, yeah. this is um, this more military-esque version of Cap's uniform and stuff is what the Ultimate Universe did. That's the redesign of him. Hmm. And... This would then influence. It would end up influencing pretty much most of Cap's kind of costumes from modern costumes. Um, yeah, because I always felt the the, the uh, wings on the the head were a bit silly. And you don't like the cuffed boots. Yeah, the pirate boots just feel a bit. Weird. If if there was like a like a, like a kind of dandyish sort of appeal going on, yeah, I don't understand the cuffed boots, but it's just it just there is weird. a dandyish appeal. He's a masked hero. Okay, you got me there. Like but they just thought the old—that's why they all have them. It's, it's the Robin Hood Zorro thing, right? Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I am firmly of the camp of keep your practicalities out of my comic <laughs> books. That's what I believe. But everyone just jizzes in their knickers for a military cap. So yeah, oh, I, it I, looks like a military uniform. That's so good. Is it? Is it? 
Mm-hmm. Reminds it's me fine. I talking care. about the Batman Arkham Asylum games, and you're there going, "It's Call of Duty Batman oh, with his God, military yeah. boots." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, courses for courses, whatever. Uh, so, as the Chitari continue hacking, Nick Fury is alerted to the alien hacking the Shield database, downloading all information and locking everyone out. Outside the base, Cap briefs the team on the plan, but Wasp sticks, uh, skips this talk and heads right in. Uh, or- ordering Captain America to stay behind as backup, Cap leads the rest of the team in. Elsewhere, Wasp Ordering breaches- Giant Man to stay behind as backup. Giant Man, yes, yeah, sorry. Ordering Giant Man to stay behind. Sorry. Wasp breaches the uh, building while the rest of the team clears as many buildings as they can, taking out automated security. However, Janet accidentally sets off a proximity mine, causing Giant Man to panic and leave its post. Iron Man goes against Cap's orders and goes in to rescue Wasp, but is knocked out from a blast. Outside, Giant Man grows and starts smashing the automated gun turrets outside the base, causing the entire structure to shake. So I, I, I love that the Avengers' first mission is an impressive mess of execution. They just com- they just ignore Cap and everything goes terribly wrong because they're just like, well, I don't have to listen to you because I've got powers. Who are you, again, Grandpa? Again, yeah, again, I don't want to bring it back to XCOM, but it reminds me when you're early playing the game and you've got your... You know, your team together, your four guys going in, and your characters, your 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 your, your characters you control can be affected uh, mentally. Like if they get hurt, if they get fired up too much, they they'll panic right. and okay. like either fire blindly, run away, or t- hunker down and start sobbing. So it makes me think like if someone else gets killed, they go, "Oh my god, they killed them!" and then they go, "Ah!" and, and you know, and it's kind right. of reminds me of that kind of thing. All it takes is for one thing to go wrong, and the morale completely nose dives, causing them to act irrationally. And I love that aspect to it, and I see that happening here with Giant Man. I love it. It just brought back memories there. Well, it was, but it was also just the arrogance of everybody ignoring Captain America because they think oh, yeah. they're, be- they're more powerful and they're better. That's that too because, you know, this is the first time they're doing it and they have no uh, idea military how training. Go. No, no military no training. No military training. It's no a bad discipline. idea. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. So I assume in the comics they have a very bad early first mission like this. Well, uh, they, they have a bad they have a bad mission. Uh, well, we, we, we have to save their first mission because this movie has kind of reordered things. We have to save their first mission for later on. Mm. Okay. In the in the comics, they fight Hulk first and the aliens second. And right. in this movie, it's the other way around. Yeah. So the Hulk is the first thing they kind of have a have a clash with. But they do have this terrible they they so Shield's side division, their psychic division, um, get this intelligence on when the Chitari are. They have a base of Micronesia packed with alien soldiers and weaponry. And the Ultimates all go to destroy the base. They go with not just a helicarrier, but like eight helicarriers. 20,000 troops. All heading to destroy the Chitari in Micronesia. They get there and discover it's completely abandoned. Right. Uh... And then, back at the Triskillian, we learn her Kaiser is still alive. Ooh. Not only did he survive the war, but he's the leader of the Chitari. And they've led the Ultimates to Micronesia. So they can seize control of S.H.I.E.L.D. So the shape-shifting Chitari infiltrated the Psy Division to give Fury bad intelligence on their military invasion. 
Miller pushes all the buttons he can find. Yeah. Uh, so they then, so yeah, the, the, the ultimates are all gathered in Micronesia and a series of nuclear bombs detonate and wipe everyone out. And then General Fury and the ultimates and the other S.H.I.E.L.D. generals are presumed dead and the Chitauri are like, well, we are the next highest ranking members of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we're shapeshifters. We shall now give all the orders and take over America. That has some similar feel to Secret Invasion in some ways. Infiltra- the, the invasion aspect, yeah. 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 Wow, wow. Dodging gun turrets, Cap takes out the automated defences with his shield before Black Widow enters to cover him after hidden turrets activate. In the next room, Cap notices remote explosives and tackles Black Widow out of the way as they are detonated by the Chitauri exiting the base. Cap and Black Widow find Wasp crouched next to an unconscious Iron Man. The mechanical superhero isn't getting any air and Wasp can't remove his helmet. To help, using his strength, Cap rips off Iron Man's faceplate, with everyone surprised to learn that Iron Man has been Tony Stark all along. Outside, Nick Fury arrives to meet the beaten team, yelling at them for disobeying orders, firing Hank Pym for leaving his post. Iron Man jets away, reminding them that this is why he works alone. I re- as I said, I love how Iron Man's identity has been a secret up to this point, and it's like a great moment of, you're that billionaire! That's that's really interesting, because I thought that modern sensibilities were secret identities are kind of like, uh, just uh, not really a thing, or not very cool or fun. Yeah, I I, it, it, I think it's because I've it's been a long time since I've had this proper yeah. drama of like a secret identity, and you know, even for it to be revealed is even rarer. And it just felt like a nice, oh, I haven't had this kind of moment in a long time. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. On the plane back, Nick Fury orders Banner to prep the 12 candidates for the super soldier serum, despite rushing their plans. After the, despite this rushing their plans, after the call, Banner takes one of the new serums and injects himself. By the river in New York, Natasha tries to reason with an angry Captain America that he is worthy, he is worthy of Team Captain. But Cap angry disagrees. At Pym's lab, Hank and Janet argue over Hank's temper in the mission and fall out. At Stark Tower, Tony looks out the window in dismay. This story really rattles through well and hits all the beats that it needs to. It really picks up a lot of pace here, doesn't it? Really picks up a lot of pace. Nick Fury enters Banner's lab and asks for Bruce, who's supposed to have the serum ready, but Betty hasn't heard anything about it. Meanwhile, Banner feverishly washes his face in the bathroom, shaking uncontrollably. Examining Banner's data, Betty tells Nick that Bruce has been using his own blood for the serum. Breaking into Bruce's safe and files, Betty and Nick are shocked to discover that there are no trial test subjects. A weak Banner enters and admits that he did it because S.H.I.E.L.D. needs the Hulk. As Fury exits to respond to an emergency call, Bruce rushes to the rebirth room. Entering the chamber against Betty's wishes... Sorry, entering chamber against Betty's wishes. As the chamber activates, a painful transformation occurs with Bruce turning into a grey version of the Hulk that retains intelligence and the ability to speak clearly. As Betty is relieved that Bruce's mad plan worked, the Hulk assures her that everything will be okay. I like it. We skip, kind of skip past the Hulk and go straight to the grey Hulk here. Ultimate Ultimate Hulk is pretty much just grey. That's the color color of Ultimate Hulk. There, uh. There's this two issue thing in in as we said when he first appears in Ultimate Marvel Team Up where he's a more traditional green, but f- from the Ultimates on through, Hulk is grey. 
There's right. no green. That yeah. makes sense. So is this what happens with the ultimate uh, comic in the ultimate comics with the Hulk? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> he's a lot more being heroic in this. Okay, he, well, good. he's being stupid, mm. but he's being so in the comics. Bruce is, is as we said, constantly belittled and insulted by the team because he's he. You know what, Bruce Banner is like. There's a there's a moment where he actually says, "I'm so intimidated by all these people like Tony Stark, Captain America, Thor that I just I can't ever say the right thing." Mm. Have you ever? I don't know if it's always to do with intimidation, but there are people that I've met and been around that I, I kill it, right? It's, uh, like, I'm just, I'm very, very, very socially comfortable. Mm. I'm I'm always a fun person to kind of, well, as long as I'm being sociable, I'm fun mm. to hang out with, always have a good time in the pub or whatever with people I'm kind of fun to socialize with at work. I've always got a joke and a comment and a whatever. There are like three or four people that I've been around where, just for whatever reason, nothing works in their presence. And any time yeah. I've been trying to... And, and it feels like a failure when I, I go, oh, man, that joke didn't land, and they just stared at me. Oh, and that. then the next time I'm around them, I'm like, oh, I'm going to definitely win it over this time, but I'm slightly overcompensating. Yeah. And I've this one person in the wrestling world, I've just... It's just died every time I've been kind of around them. And I'm like, ah, this is never going to work. Um that's kind of Bruce. Bruce is kind of talk, talking about that experience. He's kind of a weird, creepy little guy who always says the wrong thing. And he's replaced by Hank Pym, who's a knob. And the Super Soldier program has been his life's work. And mm. now he's done it, and the team has nothing to do. And they're about to get flushed down the loo by the president. And the final sort of straw is that the ultimate, all the team are in like a rec room, chatting and relaxing and playing a game of. Who would play us in the movie of our lives? <laughs> and they don't know Bruce Banner is in the doorway. And they get to Bruce Banner and he sees them. Who's going to play Bruce Banner? And they go, who's going to play that creepy little... Who's got the, the neurosis and the bug eyes and all that? Um, one of them says, Woody Allen, if he lost £100 and became even creepier. Oh. What about that scary kid from The Sixth Sense? And then Nick Fury laughs his ass off and says, Stuart Little. <laughs> Bruce been stood there the whole time in the doorway. And all these people that he kind of like admired and stuff are just mocking him and laughing at him. And then we see him on the streets of Manhattan and he's making, it's like the drunk slash drugged out phone call to your ex yeah. that you should never make. Yeah. And he calls Betty and he's, Betty, I've done something terrible. I've done something wrong, Betty. And Betty's on a date with the actor, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, here we go. Star of She's All That, Scooby-Doo, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. A real been, it guy of the time. I've been waiting for this ever since you've mentioned him all that time ago. And she rubs in Bruce's face uh, and tells her that she's, that, she's, that she's on this date. And he tells her... Um, that, sh- that he's taken a cocktail of Captain America's blood and the Hulk serum. Mm. And he says, this team needs a monster to fight. And maybe that's all I'm good for. Maybe that will save the team. And then he kind of goes, you know what? That's all crap. The truth of the matter is, I just miss being big <laughs> and, and then he becomes the hulk 
and he goes rampaging through the city, screaming blue murder, Hulk will kill Freddy Prince, Prince. Jr. <laughs> so in the comics, the first oh, thing the team have God. to do is save New York from the Hulk and make sure that Freddy is still alive to make Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> Has he t- what's he up to these days, Freddy Prince Jr.? He worked backstage for the WWE for, for, for ages as a producer and producing like a producer is a person that puts the matches together and helps people with their promos and interviews and stuff. Uh, I imagine he's got a podcast now. Probably. He's still with Sarah Michelle Geller, right? I guess. I think so. Yeah. I don't think they've split up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no reason to outside HQ. Nick Fury observes a heli carrier as it ascends to the skies, a fleet of jet fighters launch and face off against several Chitauri craft, which attack the heli heli carrier with superior weaponry as the heli carrier defenses are gradually taken out by the Chitauri the heli carrier loses power and safely lands in the ocean the next moment shield HQ is attacked by Chitauri sending panic across the base as explosions rock the awesome structure elsewhere Hulk leads Betty to safety before fighting the Chitauri single-handedly Nick along with Natasha defend the HQ witnessing Captain America attempt to take down a Chitauri ship using a heavy-mounted gun. Suddenly, a scream erupts from the building as Hulk launches out of the wall, grabbing a Chitauri before slamming down in front of Cap. While Cap looks at the beast in shock, Hulk smacks Cap's shield from his hand and slams Cap into a wall before jumping towards the Chitauri ship, screaming, You stay out of this! This is my fight! Wow. So... Sure, it's smaller than the Battle of New York, but it's still intense. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, intense. So, do we get the, an all-out war between a Chitauri and the hero and the heroes in the comics? Yes, there's a bit where it looks like the Chitauri have won by blowing up Micronesia and killing mm. the Ultimates, uh, but then the Ultimates are fine. Uh, Tony Stark's um, force field manages to save a small number of them and some troops and stuff, and Thor. Thor's Mjolnir can teleport people, so they teleport in and the big fight kicks mm. off and there's spaceships in the sky and um, Thor and Iron Man have to fight the ships in the air. Cap rallies the troops against the ground forces. Thor's bringing down lightning strikes onto these <laughs> ships and blowing them out of the sky. And there's also a world-destroying bomb in the Triskillian counting down oh. that will destroy the planet as the Chitauri want to burn the world to... The ash and everything, yeah, it's it's intense. That's 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 too much. Landing on the Chitauri ship, Hulk begins to tear it apart with his bare hands. After it explodes in midair, Hulk smashes down on a group of Chitauri soldiers, killing them with one swing with a large piece of the ship. As the rest of the Avengers fight Chitauri ground troops, Iron Man joins the fight at the last minute, realizing he is needed. Grabbing a Chitauri soldier, Iron Man realizes that they are wearing vibranium armor. Iron Man tells Giant Man to follow his lead before throwing the Chitauri soldier at Giant Man, who uses a piece of Fallen Expressway to launch the alien at its own ship, destroying it. However, another Chitauri ship flies into view and blasts the Avengers. As the Chitauri ship looms over the heroes trapped in rubble, Thor appears above the craft. Summoning the power of lightning, Thor takes down the ship in a second. I, I, I really like that, that idea, like, oh... His armor's made out of vibranium, the one thing that could take down the other vibranium. Like, yeah, we're going to use them as... into bullets. To bull- yeah, it was a great little bit. How did the Ultimate stop the aliens in the original comics? 
the the power of toxic masculinity. Hooray! Um, so Cap's in a fight with her Kleisha, who keeps healing every time Cap does some serious damage to him. He mm. in, he flies a fighter jet into him, <laughs> uh, blows him up, impels him with his shield. But but Kleisha is a shapeshifter, keeps keeps healing, and Cap's getting worn down by this big fight. Uh, so in the end, <laughs> the Hulk is in this battle somewhere. Cap tells the Hulk, "Hey Hulk." Yeah, I know you want to kill me, but you see that uh, that creepy German dude? He's been trying to sleep with Brady Ross. Yeah. <laughs> While you've been away, he's been putting his filthy German mouth all over hers. And Hulk goes nuts. And this is the origin of the famous scene from The Avengers as Hulk grabs Kleischer's by the leg and smashes him back and oh. forth into the ground again and again. Yeah. Um. Kleischer has never seen anything like the Hulk before, and he's terrified, and he runs away and tells the Hulk to stop and hurls trucks and vans at him and jeeps, and the Hulk just is screaming and foaming at the mouth, and every time Kleischer heals himself, it makes the Hulk angrier, and so he gets stronger. <laughs> and eventually, he pummels and pummels until, like, the, the thing, the, the skin that he's wearing to make him look human kind of comes away and you see the alien Mm. reptile thing inside and he tries to make a pithy little joke and the Hulk rips his head off and then starts eating the body. (laughs) We see the Hulk hunched in a corner just devouring her Kleischer. Um, And then when he's done that, Cap says, Hey Hulk, you see all those guys, those flying saucers? They've been calling you a sissy. <laughs> the Hulk, and I'm not. Superb. I'm not lying. The, Captain America defeats the Chitari through the power of homophobic rage because the Hulk launches himself <laughs> into the sky, screaming, "Hulk is straight!" No, and smashes no! all the alien ships. No! <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Nick Fury is gobsmacked by the destruction and he calls Captain America the greatest military commander of all time. (laughs) Incredible. That's brilliant. (sighs) Now that the battle is finished, the Avengers find and congratulate Hulk for his help after Banner's idea worked. But Thor, in a fit of rage, starts to attack the rest of the team. Iron Man is... Hulk. 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 Sorry, I don't know why I've put Thor there. Hulk, Thor, Hulk, in a fit of rage, starts to attack the rest of the team. Iron Man is thrown to the streets below, while Giant Man and Wasp are easily taken down. However, Thor calmly approaches Hulk and launches the monster through several floors of the building with a single hammer blow. The Hulk recovers, and the two continue to fight viciously. One uh, line that made me laugh is when they see Thor. Uh, go, Who's the chick with the hammer? <laughs> yeah. God, man, back when, like, long hair... Like just just out of the nineties when long hair was still like not a thing that men generally wore. You know, we've gone yeah. through the sixties and seventies and it's swung back eighties and nineties, but wasn't a long hair era. Um and you'd have lots of jokes like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, lots of jokes like that. Betty Ross finds Cap in the rubble and brings him to. Cap asks her for a way to stop him, with Betty rushing off to find Bruce's medicine. Enough of it could work at quelling the Hulk. Knocking Thor away, Hulk approaches Mjolnir and attempts to lift it. Thor re-enters the fight and watches in surprise as Hulk lifts up the hammer and throws it at Thor. 
knocking him out. Just before Hulk can pound on Thor's unconscious body, Ve uh, <coughs> Cap tackles the monster to protect the god. While Cap is strong, Hulk is far stronger and easily overpowers the super soldier. However, before Hulk can pounce on Cap, Giant Man catches Hulk in his giant fist and tries to restrain him. But Hulk leaps out from Hank's fist and attacks the giant's throat, forcing Hank to the ground. Wasp blasts Hulk to get him away from her husband, and Cap recovers in time to stop the Hulk beating Janet. One by one, the rest of the team re-enter the battle, attempting to distract the Hulk from killing anyone. Meanwhile, Betty has found Bruce's medication and has loaded it into a dart gun. So what happens when the Hulk fights the Ultimates in the comic books then? Because this happens before they uh, battle it. Yeah, yeah. Um, giant, because Hank Pym looks down on Bruce Banner so much, mm. he thinks, and he's enamoured with being big and giant, he thinks he can easily stop the Hulk. The Hulk pulverizes him, <laughs> breaks, just beats him badly. Um, even though he's giant, the Hulk just has gleeful fun, like climbing up this giant, shattering his knee, shattering his thigh, <laughs> breaking all his ribs, climbing higher, breaking his, you know. Um, Iron Man kind of swoops in, saves. It's they, they, Iron Man and Hulk fight into. Grand Central Station, which has been evacuated. Mm. But Iron Man can't, like, his his targeting is off. He can't blast him all these lasers. And he he hits the Hulk with everything he's got, and it drains his battery. His armor is dead. And he's like, I'm going to need a support team because I'm stuck here now, can't move. <laughs> the Hulk needs... Sorry, the team need the Hulk distracted. Um, And Wasp is the only one in position. And her wasp stings that she fires don't do anything the only thing she can think of to do is she takes her top off and flashes her boobs at him and <laughs> <laughs> no and hulk goes no and starts like chasing her with this dumb look on his face and tony stark says you got nine phds and all you can think to do is the mardi gras special the mardi she's like gras shut up special. it worked didn't it um, and then she gets him into position, and the position is a certain place where they need the Hulk to stand. And then Cap, who's in a, a, above them in some sort of aircraft carrier, is like, okay, I'm up next. And Cap drops a tank onto the Hulk with him inside it. <laughs> he drives a tank out of the sky onto the Hulk, and then the Hulk tears the tank apart, and Cap kicks him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and punches him in the face and yeah it's a big it's a big old fight Manhattan's been torn apart like thousands that, of people have died or hundreds that's a, a I, I, I really I really want to read this this sounds it's brilliant Mark Miller's uh, not, uh, it's his best stuff I don't know if it's his only good stuff but I can't recall anything as good as this yeah this is this is above everything as the Avengers work together to bring down the Hulk Cap struggles to aim the dart gun at Hulk ordering Wasp to distract Hulk Cap readies his aim but Hulk quickly throws a boulder at Cap before picking up his body and crushing it. As the dark gun hits the floor, Bruce's hypo falls out. Noticing this, Natasha picks up the hypo, mounts the Hulk, and injects it in him. Reacting to the injection, Hulk bats away Cap and Natasha before running towards Betty. But he calms as soon as Betty starts talking to him. Now that Hulk is calm, he falls unconscious, turning back into Banner. So... They distract him with uh, boobies and tanks. <laughs> Tank boobies. How do the Hulk's heroes stop the Hulk in the comics? 
He's he's he he just tra- I mean Thor right this is when Thor says double the national foreign aid budget and I'll yeah. I'll, I'll come and help and he mm-hmm. get a big fight but um when he's like do you want to like he beats him Mjolnir enough and um, Hulk says all all puny man's hammer did is made Hulk horny again and he <laughs> goes off to try and chase down Betty Ross um, oh no they are using Betty Ross as bait. No. They are evacuating her in a helicopter, but Cap lets Hulk know where the helicopter is yeah. so they can lure him into a... Eventually what happens is it's, it happens here in, in, the, in, the, in the movie, but it's only a distraction in the movie. In the comic, the distraction is the wasp shows her boobs. And in the comic, the, 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 the final thing that stops him is she shrinks down even smaller, flies into his ear... And blasts away his brain <laughs> until she Ooh. like hits the part that controls rage or whatever, and he just he's in he's about to grab Betty Ross. He's in he's up at the helicopter, Betty, and he's about to kill Freddie Prince Jr. and get Betty. And then she blasts it, and he turns and he kind of falls down. And as he's falling, he turns back into Bruce Banner. Ooh, so damn. Cap. Cap and the team find they're all completely messed up, and they find Bruce Banner <laughs> in this huge crater, and he's like, "I'm, I'm sorry," because the Hulk calls the crater. Like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I only wanted to help the team and come up with a menace. I, I did it for you. I did it for all of us. And please, please don't, 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 don't carry on kicking and punching me. I, I, I don't think I could take it right now. I'm just a human now. I'm just a human." He's like, "Cap's like, I'm just." Bruce, you're part of the team, and I'm just here to make sure you're okay. And we take care of all those cuts and bruises, like that massive gash on your cheek. And Bruce says, mm-hmm. I, I haven't got a massive gash on my cheek. And Captain America kicks his teeth out. <laughs> In the face. You have now. <laughs> Someone bring the straight jacket. Hulk is down. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Ultimate cat. Cap- Captain America has turned off his body cam. <laughs> turned off his body cam. He's going to commit some police brutality. Jeez. Oh, that's so crypto-fascist, but... Oh. Yeah, but also, this guy just... Because he's a petty, petty little man, he's killed hundreds of yeah. people and beaten the crap out of you and was yeah, trying true. to rape a woman in the sky. <laughs> I'd have kicked his what teeth out. What a sentence. What a sentence. Yeah. Wow. Later, back, I'm just about to say, actually, yeah, you're right. There are, there are no good people in this comic. <laughs> no, it's great. I don't know who to root for. Later, Banner is held in solitary confinement, unwilling to speak to anyone. As Cap recovers in the infirmary, Barnes pays a special visit with a very special guest, uh, Gail. Barnes, Barnes leaves her and Cap alone with... Uh, sorry, Barnes leaves the two of them alone while Steve and Gail gain closure. Days later, the rest of the team have a celebratory dinner on top of Shield HQ, toasting Captain America for his role as their leader. Looking on, Nick Fury is pleased to see that his plan has finally come together. I think I know the answer already, but do we, we obviously get a happy ending like this in the comics, right? Well, yeah, it's Mark I mean, Miller, they, they, but... they be the bad guys and everything. Uh, but so Shield cover everything up. All the mm. the twenty thousand dead soldiers of Micronesia cover that up. The fact that the Hulk is Bruce Banner, cover that up, because otherwise that's <laughs> a whole thing sunk. All the negative stuff gets swept under the carpet or repositioned by Betty Ross. The Ultimates are insanely popular. There's parades in the street, national... They saved the world from an alien invasion, you know? Mm. There's going to be movie deals. 
the president throws a huge black tie reception for Captain America. Thor, still not a part of the team, continues to bash American policies. Bruce is in this kind of solitary confinement. It's 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 like a it's you know you know where they put Loki in yes. the Avengers. That's exactly what I was picturing, and it was built for the Hulk. That's they take that almost. It looks exactly like where Bruce Banner is in the Ultimates comic. He's uh, in all kind of what's he up. He doesn't have to wear a straight jacket, but he's all kind of he's on sedatives and all that kind of stuff. And he talks about how horrifying it is as a lifelong vegetarian to have eaten a man. (laughs) 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 And shield have shield shield workers in hazmat suits have to collect Bruce Banner's poop. Since her Kleisha was a shapeshifter, and they're yeah. worried about he could reform from the Hulk's doo-doo. Oh, God, of course, yeah. I didn't think this episode would have quite so much poop in it, but there we go. And we yeah, see Bessie course. Ross visiting with Bruce Banner, being... Like, he's talking to her, and then it becomes apparent that she's not been listening. But mm. this is one of the most... This is disturbingly, she says... She basically says... She was very turned on by all the violence he did as the Hulk. Damn and it. Thinking of the moment when he killed and ate her Kleisha, she kind of grins and says, Bruce, do you think S.H.I.E.L.D. would arrange conjugal visits for you? Oh, <laughs> and, bloody hell. And we just it ends with Nick Fury kicking people out of the Oval Office in the White House so he can put his feet up on the desk and kind of go... I run the world. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's the end of The Ultimates Part 1. Will, let's get your um, let's get your favourite pieces of trivia. What have you learned from today's episode as we take a deep dive into this animated movie, but also The Ultimates comic book series? I mean, there's so much Mark Miller-esque stuff to appreciate. Uh, I mean, Flash getting the Hulk's attention by the Wasp uh, flashing... Flashing a chest. There's, um, I really love that Thor might not actually be a god, mm. and that's just brilliantly done. I really loved uh, Freddie Prince Jr. being a potential <laughs> victim of the Hulk, which was good. Uh, I loved uh, Captain America using the power of toxic homophobia to defeat aliens. <laughs> well, I can just picture Hulk jumping at the craft, going, Hulk is straight. But what I really loved was the way he made the Chitauri as a way of making fun of David Icke. (laughs) A massive troll against David Icke who deserves all the trolling he can get. Well, thank you for taking us through that movie, Will. Your final thoughts on uh, Ultimate Avengers the movie? Surprisingly good. Uh, Some bits were better than the films in places I mean, there's wow. a lot yeah i was really enjoying it. a lot of emotional weight with the characters and some interesting dynamics at play especially with bruce banner as a more selfish character the action scenes don't disappoint and there's a lot of fun to be had i would happily watch more of these this was excellent well there is a sequel so maybe we'll get to do mm. that in the future the reading list for today's episode if you've enjoyed all the stuff we're talking about it's pretty much all taken from the ultimates by mark miller and brian hitch you can check that out 
In our next episode, we go back to the MCU. We continue our Phase 1 remastered project by giving Iron Man 2 the proper modern Marvel vs. Marvel deep dive. So don't miss that one. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel for more awesome bonus episodes. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written, and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston. And our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel for awesome bonus content. Marvel vs. Marvel.